Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Listening to Metal Up Your Podcast with your host, Clint Wells. All things Metallica. All right, episode 352. What's up, babies? Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Wells. We are an all-Metallica podcast. I take time every week to talk about my favorite metal band of all time, the Beatles of Metal. Yes, of course, Metallica. Today's a very special edition of the Metal Tales covering the M72 stop at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California. The first night I talked with Ryan Bonovich, very interesting, cool dude. Um, we get to hear his Metallica story, his views on Pantera 2.0, 72 seasons, M72 era, and all that. And then for night two, I talked to my friend Mark Ferguson and his daughter Molly who he took to her first Metallica concert. She's 15 years old. Got to hear a little daddy-daughter stuff. Very interesting stuff in that episode about how Mark and I, who are you know, around a certain age, he's 49, I'm 40, and his daughter, 15, how we consume music differently. The tribalism that's left how people consume music, what was good and bad about it in the 80s and 90s, what's cool about the curation of platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. Very interesting stuff. It's Metal Tales covering those two nights. I am going to be doing some of the housekeeping, uh, but do check those out. If you want to be part of Metal Tales in the future, all you got to do is sign up on Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, let me thank some new patrons. Here in the new era, people are still getting on the train. Supporting the people that make content that they love. I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, the least I can do, of course, is shout you out and immortalize you on the digital airwaves in uh, what I'm being told is the greatest podcast of all time. Uh, thank you to Daniel Anderson, Stephen, just Stephen, Tim Ford, Jason Goodemuth, Jay Rutherford increased his pledge, David Bill increased his pledge, Neil Foley got on the ride, and Jeff T increased his pledge. So thanks again, guys. You guys keeping the lights on at Metal Your Podcast Industries, which is, of course, just my studio in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, you guys make this work worth doing. I really appreciate the support over there. Uh, if you don't have the jangle to support us on Patreon, and by us, I mean me. When I say us, I'm using the, the sort of insane, egomaniacal plural. The, the, we are legion. There are many of us in here. Uh, if you don't have the jangle, which, believe me, I get it. The world is weird as hell right now. A uh, free way that you can support the show is by leaving a positive review on iTunes or tagging me in social media or telling your buddies about it. I know a lot of you out there have your own awesome podcasts. Mentioning me on your podcast or having me on your podcast to talk about my little podcast. These are all the ways we can help each other in the DIY uh, landscape out here. Uh, but you can leave the positive review on iTunes. I'm doing this thing called the Pick Contest where every month I read all the new reviews of the month, all the five-star reviews, and I shout you out on the show. And then I send you some uh, limited edition Metal Up Your Podcast themed M72 guitar picks. Two of the uh, the new logo or not the new logo it's kind of the uh it's the distressed logo but it's got the m72 colors and then also my new zombie guy 
my new little zombie character where I'm wearing an M72 jersey with number 77. Shout out to Luka Doncic, my favorite basketball player. And I'm wearing some uh, black and yellow uh, Jordan 1s. Shout out to Tim Brown for making that. I'm also giving away Metallica box sets every month for the rest of the year. It's like Oprah up in this bitch. So the way you become eligible for that is you sign up on Patreon. Okay, enough of that. You're going to hear a commercial later. All the relevant links are down below, honey, please. Uh, I do want to read some emails this week. I didn't read any emails last week. I don't think I did. I can't remember, actually, if I did or not. Let's go with I didn't, because it doesn't really matter, does it? So I want to get into the email portal here and hear from some of the Metal Epic Podcast community. Check in, see what's going on. Then we're going to hear from the patrons of the Metal Tales. So join me now on what I lovingly have referred to for years now. (laughs) The email portal. All right. First email comes from Sam Walla Boss. Uh, hey, Clint. Hope you and your family are doing well. Thank you, buddy. We are doing very well. I've been home for like six days, and I feel like I've just been healing. I feel like I've acquired a wound this year that I have not had time. You know, I've been putting the bandage on it. I've been doing the Rambo. Remember First Blood? That's really the only Rambo you need to care about, by the way. Hot take there. But Rambo 2 and 3, garbage. The first film, which is called First Blood, is really what you need to see. But Rambo, he's like this, you know, mercenary Vietnam dude, traumatized by the war. He's just coming through this small little town looking for all his platoon buddies because they've been dying. And he's just trying to get his little buddies. He's got a little photo of all of his buddies. He's trying to hunt them down. And the sheriff of this town is like, you know, it's a comment on how the, the Vietnam veterans were treated right when they came back. Disgraced soldiers. Such a tragedy in American history. And the sheriff comes out. He's like, hey, we don't want you in this town, baby. I'm going to run you out of this town. This is a sleepy little town. We don't want the likes of Rambo, John Rambo, trained killer. And John Rambo, being a trained killer, is like, fuck all this noise. Uh, I want to hang out in this town. And they arrest him. He breaks free. He runs into the woods. They chase him into the woods. And then he systematically kills every cop in this town in the woods with booby traps. And he falls out of uh, off a cliff uh, through some pine trees and acquires a gnarly wound, and then he he like cauterizes it. He has a knife, and then you can take the bottom of the knife off, and there's like a sewing kit in there, and he like sews himself up. But you know, if he doesn't get to a hospital soon in a town that uh, is, is a little more hospi- you know, uh, hospitable to his kind, that thing's gonna turn gangrenous, and he's gonna die, dude. Even John Rambo is gonna get taken out by the gangrene. I'm like John Rambo. Okay, I'm out on the road all year. I've been on the road since February. Wounded, a wounded soldier. And I sewed myself up after falling through the pines. But I need a hospital. That hospital is my home. I have been home and I have been healing. Thank you, Sanwal. He says, I just wanted to write in about the 10-year anniversary of me listening to the second Metallica song I ever heard and the one that changed my life, which is, drum roll please, Fade to Black. Back in 2013, we were still sharing songs via Bluetooth, parenthetically, he says. Seems like a whole other lifetime now. And a buddy of mine was like, hey, you should check this song out. And he sent me Fade to Black. And that song legitimately changed my life. I was hooked instantly from the opening. 
And then I went down the entire Metallica rabbit hole. Fade is the reason why Ride the Lightning is my favorite Metallica album. And every time I hear it, the opening solo, it always gets me emotional. Hope it's all sunshine on your side, homie. Your pal Samwise from Pakistan, New Jersey. Well, thank you, Samwise. I share your affinity for Ride the Lightning. I know many of our listeners who've been on the ride for a minute know that I'm a lightning guy, which, by the way, if you're new to the show, welcome to the show. I hope that Rambo talked in. There's two kinds of people in the world. I just discovered them. There are the people who, when they heard the Rambo talk just now, thought to themselves, I like this. I like this podcast. I like that he's talking about Rambo. Okay. Uh, And then there's the other category, which is someone going, this guy sounds like a dumbass. I came here to listen about Metallica. He's went on this tangent about First Blood. There's only those two types of people. So if you're joining me, thank you. Check it out. I think you're going to have fun. People who've been on the ride know that I'm a lightning guy. And I think it's because, I mean, I've talked about this. It's because when I was a kid, couldn't really afford to have all the CDs at once. So, and my friends were much in the same plight, same neighborhood, same school, same socioeconomic, you know, class system. And I remember distinctly, me and a friend of mine, uh, we only had enough money for one CD each. He got puppets. I got lightning. The whole plan was we would just switch, you know, after a couple of months. And we would basically be able to own both just by switching. Well, because I started with lightning, And because I think pound for pound, their best songs of the first four albums are on Lightning. That became mine too, dude. I was always a faded black guy over Sanitarium. Not that they're, it's a made up contest. You don't have to like one more than the other. They're not, you know, they're not enemies, but I kind of saw it that way. I liked Fight Fire more than Battery. I liked Ride the Lightning more than Puppets. I liked Fade to Black more than Sanitarium. I liked Cthulhu more than Orion. I don't know why, it just stuck with me. But I appreciate that you just are celebrating the 10-year anniversary of falling in love with what I'm sure is one of your favorite bands. It's important to celebrate those things, bud. And I'm happy for you, and I'm proud of you, and I'm glad you're on this ride with me. Philip Earls writes, Hey, Clint, just wanted to say I love the show. I noticed on the last episode something to say about Charlie Benante coming up. I sure hope he's a future guest. I can't really say what the Charlie Benante thing is, but it's nice. And you guys are going to love it. Charlie's a busy boy on tour. You know, they're opening these, the first nights of the M72 tour, they're opening in these stadiums. And then I believe on the Saturdays following, they've been doing their own headlining, like huge, you know, sheds and big clubs and stuff, doing their own thing, kicking ass out there. So uh, all in good time, my friends. Uh, Philip says, I recently saw Charlie play with Pantera on one of the headlining shows they just did in New Hampshire. And I will be seeing them play with the boys next August at Gillette Stadium. As a fan of Pantera, who's seen the original lineup live four times in the 90s, I didn't think I'd ever see these songs live again. I really do think they're doing Diamond Vinny justice with this tour, especially Charlie, who is more than holding his own on the drums. Anyway, hope all's well. Continue the amazing work on the podcast. Phil Earls from Lewiston, Maine. Yeah, dude. I mean, you know, one of the nice things that you guys are all going to hear in this Metal Tales, and I've been doing this for every Metal Tales when I cover the first night, is uh you know I'm getting everyone's opinions on this Pantera thing and I my my uh, opinions are well documented my what I'm calling the great softening on Pantera 2.0 is also well documented you know um we talk about it on this week's episode uh, you're gonna hear my thoughts and the thoughts of my guest uh, thank you Phil thank you for taking the time to write in homie I appreciate you Matt Garipa writes in and says hey Clint it's Matt Garipa. This podcast has been a daily listen at work, and you never fail with keeping it entertaining. I love what you do. Keep it up. Dude, thank you. That really is more encouraging than you know. Sometimes, occasionally, in the dark night of the soul, as they say, I will think to myself, what am I doing with the podcast? You know, like, what am I doing? 
because sometimes I don't know anymore. It's rare. And then Matt will clickety-clack his way into my life from wherever he is. He didn't even leave a... uh, Let's see, do I know where Matt's... Where are you at, Matt? Did you put a sign-off in your email? I'm coming looking for you, baby. He did write. He's from New Jersey. Holy shit. <laughs> Didn't, I'm not making that up. Tom's River, New Jersey. Matt Reaper clickety-clacks his way into my life in New Jersey, and then suddenly that question, the dark night of the soul question, what am I doing, gets answered. You know? I'm sharing something with people like Matt. It's important. It's cool. It's fucking awesome. And I'm grateful for it. Thank you, Matt. David Fredericks writes in and says, Clint, I wish I had known about IPOM, the Insanity Palace of Metallica, for my Metal Tales episode for night one in New Jersey. What a sick, if not dated looking site. I don't know if I'd call it dated. It's just, it's it's really simple. It's really, it's almost elegant in its simplicity because all the info is just lined out. Anyway, I know that's a tangent. I'd never bothered to document what songs I'd seen or not seen. A song chasing was never a big deal to me, but I decided to check the site out. Plus, it sounded like a big pain in the ass. iPom makes this as easy as can be. Dudes, iPom.com, I-P-O-M.com. You plug in the shows that you've seen and it does all the work for you. You've seen the band in this many cities. You've seen this many songs. You've seen this many songs this many times. The band's played this song this many times. Here are the shows you're planning on seeing. Here's the here's the most common song you've seen. It just does all that for you. It's awesome. It's a great way to share it with your buddies, your Metallica nerd buddies, and compare notes and all that stuff. Dave goes on to say, so during our Metal episode, I was struggling to remember what late 90s show I'd seen in the sheds. He says, I found my ticket stub August 2nd, 1998. This is the sweet spot for me, babies. You guys know that. Woodlands Pavilion, Houston, Texas. Checked it out on iPom, and man, did I get a couple of rarities. This included some load reload staples that would fade from the set list in the coming decades. He got a Wolf and Man thingy bleeding me until it sleeps, and Low Man's lyric played almost exclusively in 1998. The sad news is that I'm positive I had no appreciation at the time that Low Man's lyric uh, would ever see the light of day again. Every time I have talked to someone, I'm thinking also of my friend Gene Froman, who I believe went to some of these shows. Every time I've talked to someone that went to that tour where they did the acoustic section, where they did Four Horsemen acoustic, and they did uh, whatever else they did. But one of the things they did was Low Man's lyric. I'm always like, hey, what was that like? Was it awesome? And no one can remember. Because Low Man's lyric is a fucking mega deep cut, dudes. And I don't think I would have remembered. Well, I might have remembered because I was a big, 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 big fan of that song at that time. But I get it. It's a deep cut. And it was unfortunately a very long time ago. He says, uh, I'd also like to add a quick word about guesting on Metal Tales for anyone hesitating to do so. Even if you're painfully shy or think you have nothing of interest to offer for a Metal Tales episode, give it a shot. Clint will put you at ease immediately and you will find yourself in lounge position within minutes. Even though we never spoken before, Clint's mastery of interacting with humans and the common Metallica thread made it seamless and fun. See you on the flippity flop and peace, Dave Fredericks. Man, what a sweet message, dude. Um, I do my best to make everyone feel comfortable and conversational, and um, I think it 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 you know I think it helps that I've done like a thousand podcasts. <laughs> I think hopefully after a thousand podcasts i mean we're on episode 351 here officially i think unofficially including like bonus and other metal tales we're hovering around 500 i've got 250 300 with the bob podcast i've edited a million podcasts for people and i've guessed it on maybe 100 podcasts so whatever the math is on that hopefully when you do it that much you get a little better but i do appreciate uh your vote of confidence dave and all you out there who are hesitant about coming on the show just do it Dude, just do it. Who cares? 
I'm going to edit it. I'm going to make it sound good. You're going to have your story immortalized. You're going to be able to send it to your buddies and your, your kids and impress your wife and impress all your friends at work. Just come on the show. It's awesome. Last email, Jay Rutherford. Hey, Clint, I wanted to take a minute and say thank you for all you do and everything Metal Up Your Podcast related. Last week was my very first Metallica live show experience after 35 years of them being a key part of my life. He basically says he he increased his Patreon pledge as a thank you. I realize I'm late to the game for Metal Tales, but to be honest, the added perk of being able to talk about them never crossed my mind until the tickets were actually purchased. Still going to keep the level of Master Poets or higher as long as you're on this ride. That's so awesome, dude. My system is fueled, and I'm going to see the show. Thanks again, and have fun always. Justin, who's Jay Falcon on Discord, by the way. What's Discord? Discord is a place where a bunch of cool Metal Up Your Podcast family members hang out. It's sort of a... And because many of us are international, there's always someone on. And it's it's just all sorts of things. It's people talking about shows they're going to. It's really useful during touring season for Metallica because there's someone going to all these shows. So maybe you're going to a show solo. Maybe you want to see if there's a meetup. You can find all that there. Plus, people are just talking all about the music they're listening to and vinyl and collections. There's a sports thread where people are talking about all the sports stuff they love. There's even like a recipe. There's like a kitchen area, a place to talk about your pets. It's a full-fledged forum with three, 400 people over there that are involved. So... Go check it out. The link is down in the show notes of how you're listening to this podcast. And before I start the Metal Tales, I wanted to tell you I have eight remaining shows in the year 2023. And here's where I'll be if you'd like to come. I know several Metal Pre Podcast family members are coming to these shows. Columbia, South Carolina, where I believe I'm going to see Metallaclaws, Chris Yerdes himself. Athens, Georgia, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Ashton, Kentucky, Monterey, California, ACL, both weekends, where I, uh, me and Avi Vinegar of Goodnight, Texas, are planning to hang out as we are friends in real life. Really looking forward. You know, Goodnight, Texas has been really kicking ass this year. I'm really proud of those guys. They've been touring their butts off, just making great music. I just think it's a matter of time for them, as good as they are, as talented as they are. Their songwriting, their harmonies, their vibe. They've got a sweet spirit. They're in it for all the right reasons, dudes. Like, I can tell you that. And uh, it's a matter of time. They're about to pop off. So looking forward to seeing Avi. And I think I'm going to see in Austin, I think I'm going to see Zach Burkhalter and Angelo Gonzalez and some others too that I might be forgetting. Uh, Then we're going to be in Dallas. And then we're ending the show at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles. And I'm excited because I don't think I've told you guys this, but... Morgan got asked to be on the new Damwells album. If you guys have heard me pontificate about how much I love the Damwells, they're like the Beatles to me. It was Brooklyn-based rock band. They're kind of defunct, but they made a new album. Alex Deason, the lead singer, who was like a hero to me as a kid, he got hip to Morgan's music and he invited her to be a part of the record. I ended up engineering that session from my studio in Nashville. I'm get to, I have an engineering credit on the new Damwells album. And through that process, got to know Alex like on a personal level as a peer talked on the phone for like an hour just about life and music it was it took everything in me to not germ to become a total germ anyway he's coming out to the greek theater show to hang with us and i think we're going to try to do some shows next year where the fucking animals are going to open up for us dudes how awesome is that dreams do come true period i don't know what voice that is but i was slamming a paper on my desk all right i need i'm going crazy it's 11 59 i'm i'm currently late getting this episode out it's sunday night 11 59 i do no podcasting during family time and it's the weekend so that meant all of my time was family time 
So I'm going to let you go. We're going to get into this episode. I hope you enjoy it. You're going to hear a commercial for Patreon because that's how you become eligible to be on the Metal Tales. And then I might even come back at the end and say a few words to you, baby. So stick around to the end and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks as always for listening. I love and appreciate you guys. Let's get into this Metal Tales. Welcome to Metal Tales. I'm here with Ryan Bonovich, just like Bon Scott, he informed me, to talk about night one of LA Metallica at SoFi Stadium. Uh, I did look at your name and I was like, is it Bonovich, Bonovich? And then I thought Bonewitch would be a killer metal band name. <laughs> you should, you should, I don't even know if you play an instrument, but if you don't, you should start now and start Bonewitch, dude. Holy shit, dude, you just blew my mind. I do play a guitar. But I've never been in a band before, but damn, you might have just inspired me. Hey, dude, I started a band called Lunar Satan, and there's no one in it but me. So you don't really need anybody. I'm a big Lunar Satan fan, by the way. Hell yeah. Thanks, dude. Well, yeah. I'm going to have to bring yeah. Bone Witch out on tour with us. It'll just be me oh. and you in a van. And then gotcha. we'll, go, we'll go to the club, and then we'll just play the, the CD like all through the PA. <laughs> and we'll just sit in the back and take questions. Gotcha. Well, it's going to be like a sludgy doom metal type band, because that's like the only type of metal that I'm actually like proficient at playing. Stuff that's slow and sabbathy. Yeah, dude. I mean, a bone witch. Of course, that's what bone. That's the milieu of bone witch. Bone witch yeah. can't do anything other than sludgy death metal. It's awesome. I'm filing the trademark right now. So we're talking about night one, LA. I've got your eye palm. Colloquially, are we just all going to start calling this eye palm, or are we going to say the whole thing? The Insanity Palace of Metallica. I call it eye palm. I appreciate the full name. The Insanity Palace of Metallica is a pretty cool name, but yeah. I'm going to have Philip, uh, the dude who made that. He's coming on the show here soon, so I'm going to get his opinion on that as well. But I've got your iPod. If anyone doesn't know what it is, it's this database on uh, it's IPOM.com where you can basically log every Metallica show you've seen, and then it, it puts it all in this cool metrics where you can see how many cities, how many shows you've seen, what songs you're chasing. It's really cool, and I'm looking at yours now. And I like to start these by getting like context for Metallica fan. It looks like you didn't start seeing the band until mm-hmm. 2009. It's correct. So I'm 31. So I, you know, I kind of like my jumping off point with Metallica with becoming a huge fan was probably right before Death Magnetic, probably in like 2007 ish or so. It's kind of weird because I kind of have two entry points. My first entry point was probably in like 2003. Um, I was like 12 years old. I was a huge wrestling fan at the time. And uh, I remember for WWE SummerSlam that summer, the theme song for that pay-per-view was St. Anger. And I remember hearing that as a kid and thinking like, whoa, that song sounds crazy. It just sounds so cool. And I went and got the CD. Uh, I think my mom let me buy the CD, which thank God she did because it's a freaky looking cover. Yeah. Uh, but so she bought me the CD and I listened to St. Anger. I loved the song St. Anger. The rest of the album just didn't mesh with me for whatever reason. I don't know why that song spoke to me. I liked it for like a month or two, put it away and then just didn't think much of the band. For whatever reason, I just didn't do the deep dive probably because I was so young. And then in 2007, I remember I was at a relative's house and they had the live Earth concert was being was on TV that day. And they were at, it was at Wembley Stadium in 2007 and Metallica actually played that. And they only did like three songs. And I watched that and I don't know what it was. I was just freaking captivated. I just watched it. They did like Sandman, Nothing Else Matters, Sabbatru, the chalkiest three songs you could possibly pick. But I, I just watched James command of the crowd and, and this just felt the power of the songs. And I'm like, 
oh, they're the band that does that the Sandman song. I like. I don't even know. I just never, for whatever reason, never sought it out. And then from that point on, I started digging in. You know, listening to the Black album, obviously first. You know, and then going from there, going back to Kill 'Em All, and then yeah, I mean, from there, it's pretty much the same as everyone else. Just hooked from there. Dude, you talking about watching that Earth Day show in two thousand seven just completely took. Like, I remember where I was when I watched it. Oh. And I was not watching it for Metallica because I wasn't really on the ride then. It it was really Death Magnetic because I famously, people know, I got St. Anger, listened to it once, threw it out the window. I was one of those guys. Not really proud of that. I don't say that bragging, but that is what happened. And they just Mm -hmm. felt like they weren't my band anymore. Anyway, I have not thought about this until you just mentioned that. So at the same time that you were watching that, because it was was streaming live on TV. Yes. And uh, I was watching the Neil Young performance. And I'll never forget it because he was playing a piano song. And he had a jacket on, but he only had half a jacket on. It was only covering one of his arms, and it was like hanging off his back while he was playing this piano song. I just remember thinking, like, is he just so crazy that in the middle of putting on the jacket, he's like, oh, I guess I'll go play it. You know, like, anyway, that's just an, I just haven't thought about that day in my life until just now. It's crazy. Yeah. I didn't even know Metallica played at that. So, yeah, you, you called it Chalky. So they came out and played three three songs that are going to reach out to the world if they're going to play right. three songs. I totally get it. And by it. the way, it worked. It's I call it Chalky, but it worked totally. because it pulled me in, and here I am today talking to you. Dude, that's a great <laughs> lesson. It's like that's why you know the diehards, we get annoyed or frustrated, even mm-hmm. from a loving way, about the variety of the set list or what they're going to play on Kimmel or whatever the fuck. But that's why. That's why, because... Mm-hmm. Inner Sandman just I'm it's it's their fault they wrote it you know <laughs> they 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 will never get out from underneath that shit and it, you know what an amazing thing like Paul McCartney will never get out from underneath what he did in the 60s with the Beatles doesn't matter how many good songs he writes he's written a lot of great songs in his career but those mm-hmm. Beatles songs are the best songs ever sorry Paul no one's going to care about your new record as much as they care about Revolver period exactly i mean and Metallica fights that with Hardwired and 72 Seasons Death Magnetic all the modern albums cuz i feel like you have so many people and I, you know, I have people in my life that, you know, like Metallica, but you know, they're the, Oh yeah. The first four albums, the first five albums are what I, what I like. Yeah. And nothing's just ever going to touch those albums. Whereas I think you kind of got to view them in two separate categories almost. Cause it's like Metallica is not writing master of puppets in their sixties. It's just not happening. No band does it. I don't, I don't know a band yeah. that like think of a band as big as them, you know, as great as them. Yeah. So your U2s, your Paul Simons, your Led Zeppelins, blah, blah, blah. First of all, very few bands make it as far as they did. Mm-hmm. And then no band that has made it that far has outwritten their best material. Like, the Stones didn't do it. No one cares. Aerosmith's not doing it. I think <laughs> I made this argument recently about a band, and so many listeners got mad at me. I think I said Iron Maiden. And everyone's like, dude, You're- a lot of people really care about Iron Maiden's new stuff. I'm like, no, they don't. Not really. You got to be careful with Iron Maiden fans. They get really, really uh, defensive. They do, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, you know. Yeah, they're not going to outright their best shit. It's just, and that's just, yeah, I mean, so once you take that off the table, what's left? What's left is a band that you love, that means a lot to you, obviously to you, and mm-hmm. they're still doing great work that you don't have to be embarrassed. It's almost like you just don't have to be embarrassed, and that's good enough. Mm-hmm. And it's even better than that. It's even it's even better than not embarrassing. I mean, it's actually really interesting, good work, especially lyrically, if we're talking about M72. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that this band can still give me goosebumps on an album that came out in the year 2023 is absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, I was in the movie theater for the premiere of 72 seasons. So it's the first time I'm hearing all of those songs, except for the singles that were released. And man, when I heard Inamorata sitting there in that theater, I mean, I legitimately, I mean, all over my body, feeling the goosebumps, hair standing on my arm, just feeling the power, you know, from that middle bridge where they build it back up Yeah. to, to the outro of, I mean, man, that song just hit me on such a level. 
And it's crazy. I think about it. Their age that they can still do that is insane. The not what I'm living for moment, you know, at the oh. end of the album is is a highlight of like the last probably 20 years of their output. It's insane. So that's no Sh- and, chef's and, kiss. Chef's kiss. Amen. <laughs> like they're probably the closest band. Like when, you know, when I do this thought experiment, like what band has, is doing work that good this late in the game? They're probably exhibit A. I mean, I think Paul McCartney is still, no one cares because he's the Beatle. But like Egyptian Station, I don't know if anyone checked that record out. McCartney 3, like, I don't know. It's like really, really great shit. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Iron Maiden. And Iron Maiden is, I think the thing that people will say about Iron Maiden is that they still will give you one of the greatest live shows that you can see. And that's true. They put on an amazing live show. Yeah. Um, but Metallica is giving you an amazing live show. And they're give, they're still writing relevant good original music whereas iron Maiden's last album just i mean i I, the book of souls was okay but the sinjutsu album just is just i I don't get it at all and i mean hey maybe it's awesome i haven't checked it out but you're right i saw the book of souls tour uh that ghost was opening for i missed the actually i saw it in la um but i but i didn't i didn't get to see ghost but yeah you're it was one of the best shows i've ever seen dude i mean it was incredible it was amazing to see well and, and i think too are you a big maiden fan do you know a lot about them yeah, yeah, for sure. What? How many albums do they have out? I think it's also an output thing. Oh God! I mean, it's got to be getting close to twenty. I don't know the exact number, but it's got to be getting close to twenty at this so point. So Metallica, forty plus year career, they've got eleven albums, you know, and not counting yeah. Lulu, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, another band, if everyone has their drinks ready, is Dave Matthews Band. They just put out an album that's that's <laughs> that's really really quite good. I mean, it really is like listenable and good and not embarrassing. They're touring it right now. The songs mm-hmm. are killer live. It's just so rare, dude. It's so rare. I don't know about the last Iron Maiden album. Actually, hearing that it's not that it doesn't work. This is just how my brain works. Hearing that it from you, a Maiden guy that doesn't work, kind of makes me want to check it out. Yeah, and I mean, it's. I'm not saying it's like terrible. Yeah. I, it just feels like this. It's kind of like saying anger in a weird way, and that the songs just don't end. It just feels like they go on forever and ever. Whereas it's like, <laughs> if you guys could just maybe concise this down a little bit, be a little bit more digestible. Yeah. But you're right. You might listen to it and love it. And that's the beautiful thing about music. I'm never going to, you know, shit on somebody for liking an unpopular album. Totally. I mean, yeah, yeah. dude, t- the fact that people love things, I'm just glad people love things out there. Shout out to all of our St. Anger lovers mm-hmm. and, you know, all the Lulu lovers too. And the Iron Maiden nerds who are going to tear me apart in the Discord for saying the shit that I said. Um, <laughs> you coming online with saint anger being a wrestling fan the song spoke to you you know that's your that's an interesting online point you put it away and then for some reason that dude it's funny like music finds you at a certain time when you're ready Mm -hmm. for it and you see them play a couple of their biggest songs on earth earth live or whatever the fuck that was called yeah it's crazy because i think back to that and i'm sure metallica would have found me at some point but it's just weird how you have those moments in your life where something as simple as just like my cousin putting that on the tv just I mean, you just saw my iPod page. I mean, look at all the places this band has brought me. And, you know, it's not even just about the shows. It's about, you know, the places you go, the people you meet. And I just think about how that singular moment in my life was so, I mean, just so changed by just him flipping a channel on a TV. But I mean, like I said, I think they might have found me eventually, but I know, it's just crazy to think about those things. I mean, everybody has those moments in their life for sure. But You've got 45 shows under your belt. You've seen t- shows in 27 cities, three countries. 89 songs, 117 you haven't seen. Your second show, 2009, Madison Square Garden, which you're a Philly guy. Uh, yes. Did you did you grow up going to shows at the Garden? No, not really. That was the first time I had ever been to Madison Square Garden, and that was a tricky one because at the time I was still in high school. 
I was driving, but there was zero chance my parents were going to let me drive to New York City by myself to go see Metallica. Yeah. Um, luckily, I had a, I had a very good buddy. I still have a very good buddy that went to high school with that loves Metallica as well, and he's actually been to a lot of these shows with me. But we were able to beg, borrow, and steal. And my my aunt actually took me, my friend, and my my co- younger cousin to go see Metallica, and she is not a Metallica fan at all. So um, shout out to my Aunt Carm. She was the real MVP that day. She Hell yeah, Aunt Carm. Go get them, baby. She, uh, she took us all to New York City. We took the train from Newark, New Jersey, which was very scary to get back to at night. <laughs> That's a whole other story. I've done it. Um, yeah. But if you look at that set list for that show, man, that was, I look back at that, and I can't even believe that that was my second show, like the stuff they played. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm just going to, I guess I'll read the whole thing, but there's obvious highlights. That was just your life, end of the line, great one-two punch, death magnetic era, creeping death, mm-hmm. you get the shortest straw, treat, fade to, fade to black, broken beaten scarred, super treat, my apocalypse treat, they're probably never going to play those songs again, Sabbath true one, my favorite song from death magnetic, Judas kiss, day that never comes, puppets, dyer's eve, Nothing else matters. Inner Sandman, probably one of the last times I'll play Last Caress. Trapped under ice and seek. I mean that for show number two. That's yeah. almost like a great, like a, a set list that a diehard would make right now. Like of like Pretty a, much. Dream, a dream yeah. set list. Absolutely, and I remember that was Kirk. That was Kirk's birthday. On top of all of that, so they he got the pie in got the face. The pie. So it was, it was a very very cool night. I mean, that's definitely an, a night I'll remember the rest of my life. And yeah, thank thank God I found a way to get to that show because I remember all summer just trying to find a way who. Who would take me? Somebody please take me to the show. And man, it was incredible. So until 2016, it looks like you, I mean, dedication for sure. I mean, you went to both Orion mm-hmm. festivals. Um, you went to the Webster Hall show right before Hardwire came out. It looks like on the World Wired Tour, did you have a black ticket for that? Yeah. So I got a black ticket for the arena run uh, for 2018 and 2019. And that's where it like really, really started to pick up. Uh, for the stadium run, they didn't offer the black ticket for that. But um, luckily, you know, where I live in the country, um, the cool thing about being in the Northeast is you're just so geographically close to a lot of places. And so it's easy to, you know, to make a drive up to, you know, Foxborough, you know, Boston area or New York, you know, down to Baltimore. So it was e- that tour was easy. I was able to just drive and, you know, get tickets myself. But when I got the black ticket, that really lit a fire under me. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get my money's worth out of this thing. Yeah. And I certainly did. I think I think the black ticket um, certainly I, I, I was going to shows for free, essentially, after a certain point, because, you know, it was like whatever it was, like six hundred something dollars. I mean, that pays for itself after a handful of shows, yeah, three or four shows. Yeah. And it looks like yeah. you went to one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 16 shows. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. And I mean, I, I you know, I certainly um, I'm lucky that I have a job where I get a good amount of PTO. And honestly, at that time, we weren't even working remote. But since COVID, we've been working remote four days a week. So that makes it even easier now. You know, I can take my laptop with me and I can work from wherever Metallica is playing and go to the show that night. It looks like you were at the Louisville show that I was at. So there's one that we were both at together. Awesome. Um, I have good memories of that show. You went to both S&M's, Louder Than Life, but the 40th anniversary shows, Boston Calling, Global Citizens, the Johnny Z show. So these are uh, formidable credentials, and it looks like you have the I Disappear ticket for M72. I do. I have it for 2023. I'm I'm still deciding if I'm getting it for 2024. You'll see there's a list of shows that I'm planning on going to that's going to be God willing, assuming everything's going good with work and my life and everything. But totally. um, yeah, if everything goes well, I'm going to try to get it again for 24 and for, I'm actually ex- going to really try to get to that Mexico City weekend. There's actually two Mexico City weekends next year. I'm going to try to go to the second one because that does be the last two shows of the tour. I just feel like those shows are going to be special. Yeah. And I've never been 
that far south and never been to Mexico before. So I, I just think that'll be really cool. That's almost a year from today. I mean, that's almost a year away. It is. At least they gave us time to plan. That's the one nice thing about this tour. They're like, hey, here's two years of tour dates. Plan accordingly. I think the way that they've done this is so cool. And obviously, it seems to have been so successful that, you know, we've talked about their touring slowing down. Like, can they keep doing this? But they could actually do this model again in like two years. Yep. So, I mean, because, yeah, it's like, yeah, you can kind of see the whole thing. You can go to a city like Chicago or L.A. in this example, camp out for a weekend. They're the biggest cities in America. So, mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty cool. So, all right. So LA, where do you live now? So I live uh, about 30 miles north of Philly, um, in between Philly and Allentown, if you're familiar with that area of Pennsylvania. I've played Allentown many times. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's like a really popular B, we call it a B market, but it's, you know, it's For not sure. Philly, but so if you don't want to hit Philly again, go to Allentown. I love uh, York and Allentown. There's a bunch of really yeah. cool Redding is over there too, right? Like. Yeah, kind yeah. of rural yep. Pennsylvania towns. One of my favorite mm-hmm. rock bands is the band Live, which are from yep. York, PA. So yeah, I love that part of the country. So getting all the way to LA. So what are you doing? You're flying. You're are you hanging out with other? Uh, are you forum people or metal up your podcast? Discord people. What's the vibe like for you for a whole weekend in LA? So I I traveled solo for this one. So for M72, I've been traveling solo more. Um, for Hardwired, a lot of the shows I did go to with my buddy. You know, you mentioned some of the people now just you the the diehards will get kind of, you know, burnt out on the the chalky set list. And I, one of my, my friends, a good example of that. He's just like, uh, I don't know. They're going to, they're only going to switch up two songs. Is it worth me flying to LA? Whereas I'm like, Hey, my favorite band in the world is in their sixties and still touring. Like I'm going to go see them. Cause one day they're not going to be around anymore. Yeah. So whatever he didn't want to go. I'm like, and I'm the type of person where I'm going to not, if I want to go to something, I'm not going to let going by myself, stop me. Yeah. Um, I will always, I'll just go by myself and I make friends. So yeah, I flew out that Thursday night. Um, actually out of Newark, New Jersey flights were cheaper. I flew direct to LAX, um, was able to get an Airbnb Thursday through Monday. And it was, you know what, it was honestly a freaking incredible weekend because even like just starting that Friday, I got to the stadium really early to get in the merch line. Cause there was a shirt I really wanted to get. And I started talking to, um, shout out to Sarah, if she's listening. I started talking to Sarah from Toronto. We were just chatting, you know, she got her shirt, I got mine. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing for the show? She's like, I was actually going to look for somewhere to get lunch. And we went and grabbed lunch together, you know, chatted, you know, whatever. She went on her way after I went on my way. But like, you know, I made friends. Yeah. Went into the show early, you know, later that weekend, even like Saturday night, went to the Rainbow, um, ended up meeting um, Matt, Eric, and uh, Rob, I believe, from Colorado who are like now I'm friends with on social media and we've been chatting going back and forth. Turns out one of them's a big Phillies fan. Um, so we were, we, we have that in common and we're going to meet up in St. Louis too. So it's like, you know, you just got to be open to, to meeting people and put yourself out there and you can go to stuff by yourself and have a, have a blast. It's just a matter of just breaking that social kind of nervousness of, Oh, like, do I want to just, you know, just strike up a conversation with somebody like we're all here for Metallica. So it's easy to talk about. Totally. You know, just just throw a Lulu bomb in there and see what happens. <laughs> it's like you got so you guys excited to hear pumping blood tonight? <laughs> exactly. Well, and I will say too for anyone listening who who's interested, you know, you seem like a pretty outgoing dude. I know it's hard for people to do that to just kind of cold get go sure. into it. If anyone's not on the Metal Up Your Podcast Discord, there's a link going to be to it in the show notes. It's free. There's no spammy shit. It's basically another forum, but there's all these different tabs for all the different shows and there's everyone's going to all these shows. So you would at least have someone to meet up with who's listened to me and Ethan for years who you can joke about the outlaw torn or whatever. So 
for P- sure. PSA out there to anybody. I'm guilty. I'm not on the Discord enough, so I got to get more active on there for sure. But um, and no pressure. I will definitely make but enough j- to do that. Yeah, I just want to let anyone know who's feeling a little socially anxious that there's kind of a built-in community at most of these shows. I hope you can go to the St. Louis show because I'm going to be at both of those with my man Johnny Sword and. Uh, I think there's going to be a like an in-between Metal Up Your Podcast party on Saturday. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely planning on going. So, okay, so LA, you have a good first day, and you're, you've are you been to the other shows on the M72. Did you, let me look at your iPod. Did you go to the Montreal show as well? Yeah, you did. Yep. So you kind of know what to expect. No repeat weekend, but they're playing these two sets. You got the rotating slots. But like you said, you're kind of going to see... I think the rotating slots help diehards justify it, but I think it's also about the people, the community... Not knowing when you're going to see this band again. We just went and saw Chappelle uh, in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena a couple nights ago. My wife got me tickets for my birthday. Awesome. I saw him in Philly a couple months ago. Anyway, it was a great show. But afterwards, when all the lights came on, he like hung around. He just stood on the stage and he signed a few things. He was kind of just hanging out on stage. That's cool. And my wife was like, hey, let's go. Like, let's try to beat the traffic. And I was like, I kind of just want to enjoy being in the room with him. Like, (laughs) I I just want to watch him until he leaves. I, I don't know how to explain that other than like, He's one of my favorite comedians, living legend. But the way we feel about Metallica, you know, it's like, right. I don't know when I'm going to be in a room with Dave Chappelle again. So I would like to just watch him stand on the stage for a minute. I'm glad I'm not alone there because I have the same thing with Metallica. I mean, when they, in my opinion, a Metallica show is not over until Lars does his, well, this is the 40th fucking time yeah. we've rolled into hell, you know. Until he does that speech and and they walk off, the show's not over. Yeah, uh, I just love watching, especially on this tour. If you when you go to St. Louis, just like watch their faces, especially in that moment after the show, you just see how appreciative they are and like in, like pointing out individual fans, thanking them, throwing picks out, whatnot. Uh, James especially. I mean, you could just look at James' face; you can just see him. He's just soaking it all in. Really, you could tell he's being very reflective on this tour. And when we get into the meat of the show, I mean, there was a really cool moment where he talked about coming up with the logo a few miles away. Hmm. So yeah, I might as well just get into it. So after fade to black, it was a really cool moment. He, he was just kind of looking out at the crowd and he said, you know, I was backstage and I saw the Metallica logo like blown up big on the wall backstage. And I couldn't help but think, man, I scribbled that on a napkin, like nine miles away from here in Norwalk, California. Wow. And you could just tell he's like, it's pretty crazy. He's like, we've made, you know, we, it turned, went from that napkin to here. He's like, that's pretty crazy. And you could tell it was genuine. Like he, I mean, it was, he was really being reflective in that moment. And uh, you know, I, I just think whatever this version is of James, I, I love it. He's just, he's just so appreciative. He sounds great. I mean, he's playing, he's always played great. Uh, it was just a really cool moment. And he's had a few of those moments over the last couple of years for sure. But that one really sticks out of the shows I've been to. Yeah, it was something Lars said recently. It may have been in the Zane Lowe interview where he said, you know, because mm-hmm. this is arguably the biggest tour they've ever done. I mean, they're breaking Taylor Swift's records. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So Black Album was arenas, but it was and it was very long. And that was the peak of their commercial success. Blah, 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 blah. St. Anger, they did a stadium tour. Um, but this tour and, and Worldwide was huge, dude. Stadiums in America, arenas in the UK. Arenas in America, stadiums in the UK. That's crazy. And uh, but Lars said something about how you know he's like in our thirties when we were doing the Black Album, the big MTV years, the when Metallica was U two or whatever, as they say. He's like, you know, we were just so in the fire, we didn't know how to appreciate it. We were young and kind of, you know, coming for blood, and our lives were chaotic. This time around, they're just like able to like do what you said. Like he's like, there's just more time to soak it in. They're sure. they're mostly sober. They've been through it all. 
you know, James is in a new era of his life with a second bout of sobriety. Plus, he's in a new mm-hmm. relationship. His kids are grown, and he's able to still go out and sell out stadiums two nights in a row and play and and uncompromisingly play all the songs that mm-hmm. he does not have to be ashamed of as an artist. So, if if yeah. he didn't land at this place of gratitude, then then he's super fucked up. And as we know, he's you know been working on himself for at least twenty years. So it's cool that that's coming through in the show. It is for sure. And how cool is it for James and Rob? I mean, at all these cities, they're getting to go see their kids play. Yeah. Because uh, at every every city on the Saturday, you got the Auto Ambassador Day show, which I was able to go to in Montreal. And James and Rob were both there. I mean, yeah. you could see they were both you know kind of backstage. James was sitting there with his cowboy hat on, and they were just soaking it in. I mean, like how cool is that for for James? He must be you know he's playing two stadiums. On Friday and Sunday, and then he goes gets gets to watch his kid play a club on Saturday night. Like, what a weekend that must be! Amazing, and you're and you're yeah. right for him to like draw parallels to the logo. I mean, they started as an LA band, you know, they yep. were they were an LA rock band, and uh, who you know they only moved to San Francisco because of Cliff. So you got that year and a half, maybe a little less of them really being forged in Los Angeles. So this is a hometown show mm-hmm. for them, kind of. Yeah, and that was in my mind, you know, going out for the show, just thinking of, hey, I'm going to the birthplace of Metallica. Like, right. This is kind of cool. I'm, and I've been to L.A. before, but this is the first time I've ever seen Metallica in L.A. Um, and just, you know, you just feel in the history. And, of course, you know, with Lars talking, doing his speech after the show, talking about it, it definitely felt special. And they were definitely, you know, very cognizant of that for sure. All right. Well, before we break down the set list, give me your brief mm-hmm. thoughts on Pantera 2.0. I've been I've been sourcing all of the patrons. I've my softening on the issue is well documented, and uh, but I want to hear what your thoughts are. I'm kind of on the same uh, wavelength as you with it. Uh, when it was announced, I was honestly kind of disgusted by it, just because of hearing you know the things that Vinny would say in interviews about how Pantera died with Dime. Pantera's yeah. never going to be around anymore. What you know, whatever he said. I will say that they do a great job of making it clear that this is a tribute to the brothers. They do a very good job of that. I still don't love that they call it Pantera. That's just me. But the reality is they're not going to be on a tour with Metallica if they don't call it Pantera, most likely. So I I get it from that aspect as well. They sound awesome. I mean, Zach sounds great. I heard that he's using Dimebag's guitar rig. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's just what somebody told me. Um, He sounds great. Still, other than walking around barefoot on the stage, which is kind of odd, it's pretty, it's pretty, yeah, sounds great. Yeah, I mean, I have no complaint. I mean, and Charlie Benante is Charlie Benante. He's yeah. one of the best drummers in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so the yeah the band the band sounds great. Um, I've definitely softened. It's just fun. My my only thing is if you're you're like I was and you're just uptight about it, you know, like it. I would say if you're gonna see it, just have fun with it. I yeah. mean, it's just awesome to hear those songs live. I, like they open with a new level right into mouth for war like dude i mean it's crazy does it get better than that (laughs) yeah yeah the set list is like a dream set list if you're gonna and you know i think this thing has been so successful and they're obviously doing their own headlining shows on the saturday night i mean i think they're gonna be touring as this outfit for a while so i think everyone's gonna have an opportunity they might even make an album dude which is just to keep pulling on what's uncool about it to me, but I but I've been softening and it, and like to your point, I've been I've heard that it's very much a tribute, which is what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. A whole generation of people are hearing the songs for the first time, so that's all good. The spreading the gospel of Pantera is a good thing. There's a moment in their set where they they don't actually play Cemetery Gates, 
Um, I guess just because that's Dime's masterpiece and they just leave that be. But they play Cemetery Gates from the tape and there's a tribute video that runs for the brothers, which is pretty cool. That's a really cool moment in the set. I also cynically, I don't know if Phil can hit it. I don't know if Phil can nail it. So they've solved a couple of of different problems with like letting that be a tape, a tribute. It is a masterpiece, as you said. All right, so get Mm -hmm. us into the show. Get us into the set list. So we know what night one basically is, except for the uh, rotating Mm -hmm. slots. I don't know if we need to hear everything about Sabbath True or Fade to Black, yeah. but just hit me hit me with the goods. You know the good yeah. shit. Hit me with what's interesting about the show. I mean, obviously, Leper Messiah third. I mean, just good lord. I mean, they and they did that in uh, Montreal as well. Mm-hmm. But what a treat that is that they've played that multiple times now. You know, in that third slot, it's funny because that's I've seen that song actually a handful of times. I actually saw it in Minneapolis in 2016 where they forgot to play the whole you know witchery weakening they forgot to play that whole part yeah <laughs> so they've kind of they kind of struggle with that song sometimes because they don't play it super often but um yeah this show sounded sounded incredible crowd was going nuts i mean i was pretty close uh pretty close to the stage maybe like four rows back uh from the rail and uh during this song man like a pit broke out next to me and i was kind of holding off your dear life for a for a few <laughs> minutes there but yeah, I mean, from the early part, definitely Leper Messiah. Have you have you actually have you ever seen that live? No, no. Yeah, it's it's incredible live. You just reminded me that I don't really have my iPom set up, so I don't. I saw five of the arena shows on Worldwide, and I know that was one of the rotating slots. So maybe, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't jump out to me. I only saw them, tw- dude. Before Worldwide, I only saw them two times, seventeen years before. And it was the and summer. You saw sanitarium. the one where James wasn't there, right? Where he was sick or something. I saw one of the three shows that James did not show up to. A Metallica show without James Hetfield. I saw one. Yeah, one of the most rare shows ever. It was not yep. pleasant at the time. And then I saw the makeup show. So those were both in the year two thousand. That okay. was it until twenty seventeen. So, and that when they were doing the summer sanitarium tour, which is b- a little bit before your time, it was like a greatest hits. I mean, we got to see I disappear. Got to see No Leaf Clover. Those were, but those were kind of hits at the time. So those were kind of yeah. the, they were doing die die my darling a lot on that tour. So, but it was and they were doing the the um they called it Masterterium where they were doing a mashup of Sanitarium and mm-hmm. Master Puppets. So those are the cool things, you know. I got to see Jason Newstead sing lead vocals on Creeping Death. That was pretty cool. But that's awesome. I'm, I love Jason. But no, I don't know about Leper. Um, so you got to see it in Montreal and here in L.A. And it's amazing too that it's. You said you're a big puppets guy. It's just amazing that even the deep cuts on those albums are translating so well to these fucking stadiums. It's just such yeah. a testament to them and to these songs. Yeah, it, it really is wild. And not only that, just how those songs also just mesh with the new stuff too. Like you just don't feel a stark contrast live. At least I don't. Um, just maybe probably because I I love seventy season so much, but it just all meshes well. The, the set the sets for this tour for both nights just flow really well. Especially like, you know, creep into Harvester. Like I, I never realized how great of a second song Harvester Sorrow is. There's just something about uh, getting that early in the set that really fires me up and obviously the crowd goes nuts for it early on as well. But I I've I've loved this kind of model that they're settling into for this uh, these two shows. It's what I've been calling a handshake deal. I actually stole that from my boy Johnny Sword. It's like you come out and then like the first ten minutes of a show are like a handshake. You're you're making a deal, you know, as a performer with an mm-hmm. audience. And sometimes it's shaky. Sometimes you know, there's some artists like Bob Dylan or somebody where you, you the whole show is about being on a razor's edge. It, it could either be great or bad. I used to tour the guy named Bob Schneider. Mm-hmm. That's what his shows were like, dude. It was like no one knew what was going to happen, and sometimes that was 
made genius shit happen. Sometimes it was really mm-hmm. bad. But they're kind of coming out and saying with these first three songs, like, hey, we're we're here to really deliver something. And we're grateful that you're it, it's like a handshake. It's nice. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, Creeping Death, I mean, they've opened with that a million times, but that just never gets old. And I mean, that just always sets the tone for a show because it I can make an argument. It's their best live song in terms of just audience participation, just the classicness of it, the yeah. heaviness of it. Yeah. I mean, it really might be the perfect live Metallica song. So for them to open with it as much as they do is, is awesome. And it never gets old to me, ever. Yeah, same. It, it really is incredible. I mean, and like I said, the new stuff at this show, we got Lux Eterna, Too Far Gone, Shadows Follow. Shadows Follow is probably my second favorite song on the album other than Inamorata. So I'm really happy that they've pulled that out for this uh, this U.S. run. Uh, I just, I just, there's something about that riff just it's just an earworm for me and uh it, it sounds great live too what do you think about this thing the way that they're doing it there is basically a little chunk of new shit like mm-hmm. you know i know they put the uh they put the uh one of the ballads in there to kind of soften it but what mm-hmm. do you how what, do you think that's uh strategic i do i think it's probably they just don't want to put three new songs in a row so they're probably trying to space it out they could probably do a better job maybe of you know new song classic new song classic you know maybe alternate back and forth but you know especially when they play lux i mean lux is such a quick song and it's it's fun i mean it goes by like that and then it feels like you're into fade to black pretty quick even with too far gone uh stuffed in there so i mean i'm fine with it i submit to you ryan i think that on the 2024 shows they need to open with lux it's they've proven it live you know it's it's an invitational song i think they need to open with it if you had asked me before the tour for a prediction i would have get guessed and been like fairly confident willing to bet like a few dollars that they would open with 72 seasons one night and they would open with lux eterna the other night ah, just because i because hmm. they always it feels like they usually open with new songs on right. these album tours but yeah. I, I i think i heard lars say in an interview somewhere that they you know, they wanted to challenge themselves and do something different on this tour. I mean, I don't know if opening with creep is necessarily tr- challenging themselves, but uh, opening with whiplash is. We're going to we're going to challenge thing. ourselves and open up with what Ryan considers our most quintessential live song. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> way, way to go out on a limb there, Lars. <laughs> yeah. All right, so cool. So, what else is interesting about the show? So, I would say probably orion is a big highlight on these night ones it seems like they've been doing orion primarily on night ones and then cthulhu on night twos when they play outdoor shows like when they were playing jersey uh james would come out with a cigar during it which is kind of funny but orion is just a cool moment in the set because they all kind of huddle into one area where Lars Lars's drum kit is i'm sure you've probably seen the videos i mean he has four different drum kits at four different ends of the of the donut and uh, they'll all kind of huddle around, and that's probably the best if you're going to get you snap your photos. That's a good good time to snap some photos because you got all all the band members in one spot huddling, just kind of vibing off each other, making the the silly stage faces as I like to call them, just really feeling it. And you could tell you could tell James gets really into it when they're playing Orion, and they always obviously make a point to dedicate it to Cliff afterwards. But yeah, I mean, my highlights for the show for certainly, I mean, it, it's Leper Messiah, it's it's Orion. For sure. And then not even more than just the set list, um, just the, the vibe at that the night was so good. I think anybody who was there can attest. I mean, it was the, the crowd was the floor was was moving. I mean, everybody was really into it. It was just it was a really cool show for sure. Yeah. And of course, there was a lot of celebrities going to come out in Los Angeles to see a band like Metallica. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. So I saw Jason Momoa uh, walk out of the snake pit with Tom Morello uh, huh. during Pantera, which was kind of interesting. Wow. 
yeah, just walked right by me too. And I'd like, did, I like, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. And I'm like, well, it's called Drogo. I, I can't even imagine. Can you imagine getting into a pit and freaking Jason Momoa jumps in the pit? With you? I'd, I'd go running the other way. I know. It's like, well, yeah, because he's such a big dude. But, you know, he's, he's well documented. He's, he's like a huge Metallica nerd. I mean, I think he's one of us. Oh, I mean, yeah. He's like r- really a diehard. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. And I like the idea of, you know, I've never really done that. I remember at the Nashville show, Jim Brewer was running around. Aziz Ansari was running around. You know, there's a oh, sense cool. there's a sense of the celebrity melts away, and then we're just all fans together, and that's what the power of the music. And um, but I can also see it being distracting depending on who it is. You know, like if Bruce Springsteen yeah. was at a at a Metallica show, I'm I'm think, dude. I was, when I was saw the Eagles in Hyde Park, I was in this I was in like a VIP area because we had played that day. It's like in a stadium, like in a box. You know, when you go to see a sports team, mm-hmm. when you go into the seats parts, you're just separated from the other box just by a little partition. And in the box next to us was Tom Cruise, and I'm oh, a wow. huge Tom Cruise fan. He's one of my favorite actors, and. You know, but the Eagles is one of my favorite bands. So we're watching the Eagles and it was hard not to every 90 seconds look over at Tom Cruise. It was just hard <laughs> not to. And you know, it's cra- being a human. Yeah. And you know what's crazy about it is he was smiling and laughing and singing every word. Just he was just a big fan. He sang. They did a song called Those Shoes, which is a massive deep cut from this album called The Long Run. And mm-hmm. I was kind of the only one in my little circle that knew what it was. And I looked over at Tom fucking Cruise and he knew what it was. He was singing all the words, which just made me want to awesome. be his friend, which, of course, will yeah. never happen. So, anyway, yeah, like, can you imagine looking over at Tom Cruise at a Metallica show and he's fucking singing Fixer? A leper messiah or something? <laughs> yeah, you know, like, that'd be insane. You know, for me, it'd be like DiCaprio. I'm a DiCaprio guy. If I saw like, Leo DiCaprio singing leper messiah i might flatline that would be insane i know it's like dude you were great in wolf of wall street but also how do you know that song are you a big puppets guy what's going on how do we not know how did the world not know this uh i'm a big yeah. dicaprio fan too have you seen the new scorsese movie that he's in the killer of the flower moon I, yeah i think it comes out i don't think it's out yet at right least, at least not by me i haven't seen it but i'm gonna go see it night one if yeah. i'm able to for sure yeah yeah same um yeah. so the rest is kind of standard how was the day that never comes Awesome. I mean, it's great. That song, I feel like I look around and I see some people's eyes glaze over a little bit with it, hmm. but I, I love that song. I mean, I think it's a, it's like one's brother or sister. I think that's probably been said on this podcast before, but yeah. it, uh, it, it's just such a similar song structure wise to one. And I just think it works so well, um, the way it builds and li- live. It's a ton of fun. I, that song, I really remember being a standout of SNM two for me. I actually made the DVD for SNM2 during Day That Never Comes for like one second. So I was Sweet. like, th- so now it's a special song to me for that reason. But it also, I remember with the orchestra that being really cool. But I think that song's great live. I have no no qualms with them playing that. Yeah, it's a bummer that the Death Magnetic era doesn't get a lot of love. But I guess if you are going to pick one, you know, that's yeah. what else would you pick other than that? I mean, mate. Was, I love That Was Just Your Life so much. Me too. I just think that's. That is such a ripping, ripping song live. I mean, that's the first Metallica song I ever saw live because obviously the first time I saw him was on that tour. Yeah, I, that's a song I would love to see pulled out. I mean, I was at the 40th anniversary when they played the end of the line too. That like, what a cool treat that was. That was awesome. Well, dude, thank you for taking the time to tell us about LA. Your enthusiasm for yeah. the band is exciting and palpable, and mm-hmm. I love your story. And I hope you can make it to the St. Louis show so we can all hang out together. I, I, I guess if we throw a uh, a party. It's going to conflict with the uh, the Bastardane auto thing, but yeah, 
you know, I did that in Montreal, so I would be totally content with hitting the party. We're actually going to a St. Louis, a, a bunch of us, actually with a, a couple of the guys I met at the Rainbow on Saturday night in L.A. We're going to the St. Louis Blues game uh, that Saturday as well. But I think that's during the day. So yeah. if the party's at night, I should definitely be able to make it. Well, dude, thank you for the support on Patreon. I really appreciate it more than you know, actually. And it's a treat to get to talk to you for an hour and, and hang out with you. So thank you uh, yeah. for all the support and thank you for taking your time today. Absolutely. Thanks, Clint. I appreciate you keeping the podcast going solo, man. I know that's fun. I can't even imagine the amount of work you put into this. So I really appreciate you, man. Hey, everyone. I want to take a moment to tell you about Patreon and how you can help support Metal Up Your Podcast. Patreon is a simple, interactive way to support the people who make the content you love. Metal Up Your Podcast has always been and always will be free. There's no value that can be assigned to this community of music lovers that we've built from all corners of the world. But there are associated costs with running the podcast, in addition to the large amount of time it takes to curate and edit these episodes for all of you. For $5 a month, the equivalent of a cup of coffee or a beer, you can support Metal Up Your Podcast continuing to grow in both quality and frequency. In addition to helping keep Metal Up Your Podcast up and running, becoming a patron also means eligibility to come on the show as a guest for a future Metal Tales episode. The ability to ask guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale of Hellstorm, and even members of Metallica's inner circle your very own questions. Merch, vinyl giveaways, ticket giveaways to shows like SNM2 and Sling Castle. It's easy to sign up, easy to use. You can set a price that makes sense for your budget, and all of it goes into making Metal Up Your Podcast the best show it can possibly be. The link to Patreon is in the description of the podcast app you're using to listen to this episode. And as usual, thank you all so much for the support. I could not make this podcast without you. Peace. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little. Yellow. Different. Very special edition of Metal Tales, because I'm here with my friend Mark Ferguson and his daughter Molly. Molly, welcome to the show. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much. And you guys both went to the L.A. shows. I cannot wait to get Molly's perspective on what it's like going to a 60-plus-year-old metal band show. But, Mark, real quick, we were just reminiscing that we met in, at a Rodney Atkins show in California. Where, where Was that in San Diego? No, it was in... Uh, so we, we live in, uh, in San Jose. We're up in, the, we're up in the Bay Area. And okay. um, we, uh, we met at the Fox Theater in uh, Redwood City, which is a sub... It's on the peninsula, you know, a little south of San Francisco. Right. So we met there. And then uh, we also went out to uh, Nashville in January of 19 for the big two-year anniversary and uh, and the Metallica show at Bridgestone. Yeah. At the Rodney Atkins show, did you actually come to the concert or did we just hang out afterwards? Yeah. No, uh, I went to the show and uh, I had a good time. I mean, I'm not I'm not a country. Country music isn't always my genre, but yeah. um, I enjoyed it. And uh, it was nice. You know, it was nice knowing someone on stage for sure. Yeah, those were always interesting because I uh, always wanted to meet people from the podcast or have friends come out to those shows i felt like i was always giving disclaimers for those shows like hey this, these are a lot of songs about dirt roads and shit and all that i feel like <laughs> at least with morgan now i don't have to be as apologetic about yeah. or apologetic at all about the material you know yeah i've i have always enjoyed you know in the limited times that i listen to country music i've actually enjoyed it because i always feel like the lyrics and the stories are very 
approachable and um, you don't have to, you know, the meanings of the songs are kind of right up, right up front. And I feel like the turn of phrase and the, and um, you know, there's a lot of clever, um, you know, lyric writing uh, in country. And I've always kind of appreciated that. And it's a little more immediate uh, to follow than, than some metal, um, you know, metal or rock, um, you know, lyrics and, and uh, subjects. Yeah, all country music is about like really linear, simple stories and then yeah. double entendres and like clever turns of phrase. That's like all it is. It's, you know, it's like really hard for people in country music to write a song that's like, I love you or like nothing else matters. You know, like I miss you. I care about you and nothing else matters but those things. Yeah. They have to yeah. they have to make it be like and nothing else matter of fact. Like they always try to. It's just too clever. It's annoying. So speaking of that, Molly, how old are you and what do you listen to in your private time? Um, well, I'm 15, sophomore in high school. And um, well, I usually listen to Metallica, but it really just depends on my mood. I listen to a lot of Green Day also. We were just hanging out with some friends of mine and they have a, a, a sixth grader and her favorite band is Pearl Jam. And she was saying, at least here in Nashville, that she's a... Uh, She's kind of the odd one out in her friend group because she likes rock bands from the 90s. Is that your case too? Yeah, definitely. My friends, I mean, they they listen to Taylor Swift. Yeah. Like Olivia Rodrigo. And I just, I like Taylor Swift. I mean, I think she's like a really good singer, but it's just not my, not my style. So when I talk about a song going to a concert like Metallica, they're like, oh, that's fun. But I'm going to the Eras tour and then they all like start talking about it. It's kind of funny. Yeah. What do you what would you say your favorite band is? Probably Green Day. I would. Yeah. Now for I'm trying to imagine because Green Day is is a band from my time and I just turned 40. So when you say your favorite band is Green Day, like are you listening to like newer Green Day or are you an American Idiot fan? Do you go all the way back to like Kerplunk and Dookie? God, I have the American Idiot CD and the Dookie CD, but I don't have most of the newer stuff. Yeah, 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 I would say that. I think it's, it's, it's the it's classic most, Green Day. Yeah, mo okay. most of the classic. And I'm a huge fan too. Um, and uh, I'm just, I, I'm really interested in how Molly, you know, uh, picks up her music, you know, and it's so much different than when I did. You know, I'm 49. And so, you know, she gets it all through, uh, you know, she might hear more songs through Spotify uh, suggestions, through other friends. She has a much wider interest in bands than I did. I was very tribal with my, you know, starting with, the Bon Jovi's and the Def Leppard's and the Guns N' Roses and and eventually to Metallica. Um, but Molly and her friends and her sister Lucy have all, you know, I feel like have had a, a wider range of interests uh, in genre. You know, I hope I'm not embarrassing you. Like, they, no, no, you know, their first, their first, you know, their first band that they started liking, you know, they started with K-pop. And, uh, yeah. you know, I know, <laughs> and I know, Mo you know, Molly kind of winces at that. But, uh, you know, we all start with, you know, we all, our interests change. And especially when you go from, you know, 11 to 15, uh, right. you know, your, your interests change a, a ton. And so um, it's been really fun to see how they've accepted a lot of different types of music. When again, I would refuse, absolutely refuse to listen to uh, what we called it uh, mod music, you know, like Depeche Mode, the Smiths, you know, I absolutely refuse to put that on um, at any time. It was always, you know, I'd rather listen to you give love a bad name for the 15th time in a row than, um, you know, than, than something a little bit different. Yeah, I feel that. I, I feel 
I had a tribal thing too, and that might be, I'm curious, Molly, if you guys even have that anymore. I think there was something that, if I'm going to be generous to it, there was something good about it. Like be, like having a tribe or having a group of people, especially if you were kind of a misfit, gave you a sense of community and it, it, it gave you something to really sink your teeth into, like a culture of a band, an attitude, a clothing. I wonder now about kids that it's all just playlists. It's all like curated playlists. If if you're missing that part of it where you just go so deep into something. And now hopefully if you mature as an adult, like you and I have, Mark, uh, you grow out of that and, and then you become people and you have kids. I've got a daughter, Molly, that's nine, you know, a little younger than you. You become a, an adult that's like, yeah, there's enough for everybody. Everyone have fun. But there was something about the tribal part of it that I did like. Not the being a jerk about it, but like, having an identity and a culture. I don't know what it's like for a 15-year-old. I mean, you mostly listen to music, I'm guessing, Molly, on Spotify or Apple Music. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Spotify and YouTube mostly. And it's just feeding you like, you're prob- man, you're probably discovering new music so much more than we did. Yeah. It's a lot easier, I feel like, because it'll give you like songs that kind of correlate to yeah. the song you listen to. But I mean... I don't listen to new songs very often, actually, unless it's like a Green Day song. I mean, right. when your dad and I were your age, if we liked Green Day, which we did, it would be a friend or a neighbor or someone at school who would say, oh, dude, if you like Green Day, you need to check out what no effects. And then they would just say that. And then it was up to you to figure out how to listen to it. <laughs> I mean, maybe they would let you borrow a CD, but they would just simply say, oh, dude, you got to check out ministry or whatever. And then you'd have to go find it. You'd, I would like write it down and then you would finally find it somehow or buy a CD. And then that's all you would have. Like, whereas now if you were listening to like green day, a green day playlist, every fourth song is going to be a band that's like green day. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, they say that as you get older, your appetite for new stuff slows down. That's been true for me. But to have that kind of curation at 15, I don't know if I would have ever left my room. I might have not been a functioning citizen had I had all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, re- I really, uh, you know, appreciate it. And she, you know, she doesn't listen to Green Day. I mean, she has a couple of albums, but, you know, cer- certain bands, I mean, you it's just kind of a band and you don't even necessarily know what what era it's from you know yeah. i always think about metallica and you know you know all, all of us uh in the in the podcast family you, you think about the, the the puppets era the lightning era the the load era etc and um you know it's just sort of a feels like it's just the you know the gr- just green day sort of as a whole or yeah. um i don't know it's just it's just a very different way of watching them uh grow up with with music again it was just you know so different than so different than me it's cool it's like almost like out of time you know, which is cool that it's not tied to something like that. So Molly, in your Metallica world, what would you say your favorite Metallica song is? Probably, well, the first album that I've listened to like fully was 72 Seasons. So my favorite song is In Inamorata. And I just think it's so good. I could listen to it like three days in a row and like not get sick of it. And what's what's the dynamic with you both? Like as, as a father and daughter with music, I mean, do you guys go to concerts a lot together? Was this one of the first ones you guys have been to? Out of how many concerts? Like six concerts that I've been to, all of them except for one has been with dad. With my okay. Dad. What yeah. concerts? 
Um, Iron Maiden, Gorillaz. You, you went to Harry Styles with uh, your sister and mom? Yeah, I went to Harry Styles with Lucy and Metallica. And, and Metallica. Yeah, it was a it was a real big moment in my life to be able to take my my two girls and Lucy is a is a year older um to take my two girls to um Chase Center to see gorillas and that was about a year and a half ago Lucy has gone uh mostly to um you know on the pop side of things she loves Taylor Swift she loves Olivia Rodrigo she loves you know Harry Styles and I did see a Harry Styles show with her which the the energy was similarly awesome but it was very very different as you can imagine than uh, Metallica but um I I've been able to pull Molly into, you know, Iron Maiden, Metallica, Green Day, etc. So uh, it's been really, really fun to see them go to shows. And, you know, that tribal thing that we were talking about before, you know, I'm self-described as a Metallica dork. So like the kids in my classes often, you know, weren't, weren't fans of metal music. And so when I did finally get to go to shows, you know, when I was in high school, you know, you did find that tribal thing. And that's where I did find all these people who liked you know, similar bands that I did. And I just, it's just become a huge part of, you know, it's a huge enjoyment for me to go to live shows. And, you know, Metallica is the best of the best. Um, and I think the SoFi show was probably, I think it's my, my 11th or 12th uh, Metallica show. Nothing like, you know, some of the other Patreons who've been there dozens or hundreds of times, but uh, 11 times or so, like really kind of consistently over the career has just been really, really awesome. I enjoy it every single time. Well, hey, you've seen them twice as many times as me, and I've been talking about them every week for like seven <laughs> years now. So <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned being a self-proclaimed Metallica, like dork or nerd. I'm definitely like that too. And it's I'm thinking about Molly, you know, Molly's 15 and cool. Older sister's cool, going to concerts. You got to understand, Molly, uh, us as dads, we used to be cool. We weren't oh. always dorks. We used to actually be cool. And one of the beautiful things about 40s and 50s and having kids like you in our lives is it's you slide into this dorky thing that's kind of awesome. I mean, it's like I'm having as much fun as I've ever had. But I do want you to know we used to be cool, dude. We were cool. <laughs> I don't really know about that. But <laughs> I, yeah, I. Your dad was probably wearing like a bullet belt. Uh, you, you know, your dad probably had like a mullet or a mohawk mullet, and the the mullet the mohawk part was probably sprayed green or something. Mark, oh, what man. Were, Mark, what were you like when you were fifteen? What ways were you like Molly? What ways were you different than Molly? Um, well, first of all, you know, you can, you know, uh, Molly is kind of a mini me. Molly looks a lot like fifteen year old me, except she's pretty. Um, I have the same deal with my daughter. Same deal. <laughs> I was a. Uh, uh, I had a, a great group of friends and, you know, I enjoyed high school, but I was, I was a square. I mean, I was preppy. And so classes and stuff like that, it was mostly, you know, kind of, uh, tended to be smarter kids and, and, um, less, you know, no, I've never owned a, a bullet belt. Yeah. I tried the denim jackets and, and that kind of thing, but I never had the patience to grow long hair or anything like that. I was, I was pretty straight down the middle. So, uh, it was a little different side of my, my personality to it's not to, too late to get a bullet belt molly father's day <laughs> next year get uh, you may not even know what a bullet belt is yet look it up and get get mark a bullet belt i will definitely yeah i'll make it hot pink too okay. hot pink bullet belt hell yeah let's go Good. yeah christmas is coming so so did you guys go to both nights we're talking about night two specifically we'll get into the show you guys went to both nights did you do the in between the bastard and auto thing uh no we uh actually we're uh we're uh night two only Okay. And so again, we live up here in the Bay Area. And so we took the five and a half hour drive 
down to LA for a little daddy daughter music weekend. So Molly and I, we drove down on Saturday. We went to the pop up uh, in Inglewood, which was like, you know, it was like the Metallica spirit Halloween, basically. Yeah. So I enjoyed looking through all the shirts and, and that kind of thing. And Paul's got a shirt. I've had enough merch. I bought enough merch over the years. I've become a poster. I love the posters. I actually, I would, they were sold out of the LA ones when we, um, when we went to the pop-up. So I'll, I'll pick one of those up eventually on, on resale, but, uh, I love getting the posters when I can. And then, uh, Sunday of the show got a little culture in, went to the museum, you know, during the day, kind of rested up a little bit at the hotel. And then we, and then we hit SoFi stadium, which, um, is like, you know, I hadn't been there before and it is like walking into a spaceship. And it is absolutely enormous. I know it's it's one of the most expensive stadiums ever built. It's an incredible facility that uh, was really cool to to walk into. You know, very new, very nice uh, facility. Uh, and then you just get that vibe when you see all those Metallica fans. You see all these these people and, and uh, you know generations of people because there's there's a lot of families who went and you, and you see people who have the who have the gear from you know, gear that they've been wearing since, you know, the eighties and nineties, people who are wearing brand new stuff. It's just so exciting to walk in and say, Hey, I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing this again. And, and it's, you know, again, very gratifying to, to see it with, uh, with your kiddo. How many hot pink bullet belts did you guys spot? <laughs> None, unfortunately, but maybe next concert, find a few. And Molly, what are you, what are you wearing to the concert? Are you wearing your 72 seasons shirt or do you, do you wear the concert? A t-shirt to the band that you're seeing there's a there's a divisive argument about that in the culture yeah um i didn't wear my t-shirt i almost did but i was like oh i'll i'll be different and i'll wear a red tank top is what i wore and i actually made bracelets like the taylor swift fans do to like trade but i mean no one else trades <laughs> bracelets so i was just wearing like a bunch of bracelets on my wrist yeah. but you didn't find any other. You didn't find any forty-five-year-old metal trues to trade bracelets with. Actually, we gave out two bracelets. So to kids, there there were there were you know some kids out there who uh, who uh, who accepted them. So um, well, that's cool. We, we pass out the love a little bit. Mm -hmm. And were you Molly? Were you familiar with these opening bands, Five Finger Death Punch and Ice Nine Kills? I have listened to Five Finger Death Punch once or twice with my cousin. She's really she really likes them. I kind of i like one song but i don't remember what it is i mean it's they're okay i mean i'll listen to them if they're playing on the radio but it's not like i'll go to a concert yet did you guys pay attention to the openers did you guys check it out or were you running around the stadium we arrived part way through five finger death punch and uh there's a lot of you know i am not familiar with any any of their songs there was a, a lot of energy and it felt it felt like they they kind of grabbed hold of the audience, you know, as you know, through the course of their of their show. They, uh, you know, as openers, they did their job to uh, to pump up the audience. Yeah, that's cool. So you hear you hear the long way to the top, which I'm sure you knew, Mark, that it's about to go down. Molly, were you aware that there's almost like a pre song before the intro song? Well, Dad made me listen to it in the car while we were driving down. He was like, oh, "Okay, oh yeah." like the song that they're gonna play before they come out and i was like oh okay like awesome I mean, <laughs> yeah you know what what i noticed is that a uh, long way to the top it used to be like if you were kind of in the know like when that song came on you knew it was coming up next but now what they what they do and it, it's the first time that i remember it is that now it's almost like the sort of the 
pre-show begins with with that song like right. you know as soon as that song starts you know metallica comes up on the on the six i don't want to call them sticks but on the six towers. you know yeah. video board the tower or the eight towers you know they already starting with the with the video and the and the lights and stuff like that um so it's like they have an intro to their intro yeah it's fun everyone's getting excited uh sea of gold comes on i mean walk me through the show give me y'all's perspective through the show i mean I know this is a big deal for Mark, Molly, for you to be sharing this Metallica experience with him. But what about you? I mean, I'm curious about how a show like this hits someone who's 15, vibrant, loves music. What was the experience like for you? I was so excited. I was talking about it when after like the day after we bought the tickets, and I just never shut up about it to my friends. I would just be like, oh, yeah, there's five months left until the Metallica concert. I already picked out my outfit. I was, I was just so psyched up and yeah i i mean i couldn't stop talking about it there's nothing like that moment too when the lights go down like i think that's one of the best parts of a show it doesn't matter what we just my wife just got me Chappelle tickets for my birthday we went and saw dave Chappelle a few nights ago and just when the lights go down and the artist that you're there to see is about to come out that's like probably a top three moment of any show i go to like i hate to miss that part if i'm getting a popcorn or a beer or something that's like I refuse to miss that part, actually, because it's one yeah, of my favorite parts. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, it's always enjoyable. And I, I, I could have sworn that during the when I watched some videos of the European shows that they would come out and they would start with, did they start with like Cthulhu or Orion? Yeah, the very first weekend they started with the instrumentals, and then they they quickly kind of bagged that. But yeah, they did the first weekend. Yeah, because I'm I'm always fascinated how uh, bands choose their set lists, and uh, I always thought that in, in Europe that was um, you know really unusual. I tried to stay away from seeing any set lists for the North American tour because I wanted I wanted that surprise, and I didn't even know if the set lists were the same on you know if all the night ones were essentially the same or all the night twos you know were essentially the same. So I I had no idea. I think coming out to Whiplash and I was watching it you know last night and and just uh, you know my memory of it is that that is a, a fantastic intro um, with the long lead in. It's a ripper. They were doing it at, at a faster tempo than normal. But I just thought it was terrific. And of course, you know, my favorite Metallica line, we'll never stop, we'll never quit because we're, we're Metallica. You know, it's right there in the first part of the song. It's like the the mantra. It's like the, the mission statement, yeah. you know? And so I just, I just thought it was great. Yeah, I'm looking at the set list now. And, and Molly, you, for your, this was your first Metallica show, right? Yes. Yeah. You got some really nice treats for this show. I mean, just to jump around a little bit, I mean, to get Ride the Lightning and Fight Fire in the same show and Cthulhu. I mean, you got half of Ride the Lightning, the album in this show, which is <laughs> wild. Uh, you Must Burn, which is one of my favorites on the new album. You got Dirty Window, a St. Anger song. I mean, walk me walk me through the highlights of the show for you guys. What what stands out? What was what was cool about the show? I, I was really hoping to hear you know one of the the sing along songs, which is either "Memory Remains" or "For Whom the Bell Tolls." And so we got we got bells. It was great to sing along. I got I I snuck some video of Molly you know singing singing along to it. Um, which and is Molly, a great, we're going to put that on YouTube. It's no big deal. Great, oh my god! Which is yeah. a great dad win. You know, Molly, I know that you like you listen to more 72 seasons uh than me and i know that you you know i don't, I don't you know i have a 72 seasons you know darkness you must burn you know do you have a favorite favorite one of those i mean i've i've really over listened to 72 seasons but 
You Must Burn is probably the favorite of the one that. Oh, the one that you heard. Yeah. 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 What are some of your What are some of the highlights for you, Molly, of the album? I mean, I know you like Inamorata. That's pretty much all the all of us agree that that's a really special moment. I really like the first track, Seventy Two Seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Chasing Light and Too Far Gone. What are What are the other songs that stick out to you? Room of Mirrors. I really like that one. I listen to it when I'm writing English class. Don't know why. It makes me write super fast. I think it really like helps out. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that one is great. Listen to it all the time. And I mean, 72 Seasons can always listen to that. It's yeah. such a good song. It's cool that you got to see that one live. Yeah, yeah, I was super excited, actually. What did you guys think about Dirty Window? How did that go over? Well, you know, listening to the pod over the over the several years, and uh, you know, I've I've come I've come back to uh, a little bit of Saint Anger, and I heard Dirty Window when I went to the 40th um, right. show, night two of the 40th uh, anniversary, and uh, I think it's one of my favorites of Saint Anger. I like maybe three and a half, you know, songs from, uh, from, from St. Anger. And, <laughs> three and, that's, and, a half. and that's one of them. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It has a great uh, pace, pace to that song going through the set list again, you know, taking, you know, when they kind of mid show, when they take six or seven minutes to play, you, you know, call of Cthulhu, you know, it's at that moment where you just really appreciate that the sound was terrific, at least from our seats, just to hear these, these guys playing a metal, instrumental to probably 75,000 fans, you know, 40 years after the fact is just really, you know, a phenomenon that's, um, you know, really amazing and, and unprecedented, you know, in kind of modern music. I just thought it's just, it was just such a great time because, you know, again, as we all talk about, you know, we don't know if they're going to come around again. Yeah. And so to, to hear that, it was just very wonderful to sit back and, and kind of soak it in. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, uh, there's only a few other bands that can do it, you know. You've got your U2s, but U2's pop music and it's anthemic. It's not extreme hard rock, which Metallica what like for them to open with Whiplash, which is one of the more extreme speed metal-y songs from 1983 and it still works. It's still 75,000 people still care in every major city in the world. And yeah, yeah. For, them pl- for them to play in a, a, an 8-minute instrumental from their second out from 1984 and it works it's not like pee break time or go get a diet coke time you that's the thing molly about i think one of the things that's cool about you guys sharing this is you both you both represent really different generations obviously and it's just cool that it works for someone who's 15 and like plugged into the zeitgeist of like young people and then there's so much history for people like me and your dad where it's like number one the song kicks butt we love the song but number two, we're just also putting it in context of like, how is this still, like, what other band at that level that makes ex- more extreme music can do that? You know, yeah, like you you two selling out stadiums because of where the streets have a name, it like, makes sense. Rolling Stones selling out a stadium because they have "Start Me Up" and you know, I can't get yeah. any satisfaction. It makes sense. Whiplash doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly right. And so um, that's and and again, you know, in a way, there's. You know, even though Metallica is the most popular metal band of all time, they're still the most popular metal band, which makes it, you know, again, where you have that, you know, I still feel that identity with them, which is a little, you know, aside from being a fan of, say, the Beatles, where everyone in the world, you know, loves the Beatles. I don't know. I still feel a little bit of a, you know, a little bit tribal that I can like, um, you know, a band like 
like Metallica. You know, and the same goes for, you know, going through the set list, like to see them play, you know, fight fire with fire, you know, just a lot of energy, a lot of intensity with the band, you know, seeing them this time. I really appreciated that. Uh, obviously, they're always going to be professional and the production is is second to none. But, you know, you can also you can also tell that there's effort involved. And I, and I don't think they're just, you know, it did, certainly didn't feel like they're you know, just looking at the set listing and counting down until, you you know, they're done. Yeah, there's a lot of preparation that went into it, not only like with the show and production, but also with their health. I mean, they've got to be, you know, you take a band like Motley Crue. I don't know how familiar you are with Motley Crue, Molly, but they're also doing a stadium tour because somehow they wrote 10 to 15 songs that enough people love. Uh, but they're, the reviews of that tour are horrible because they're, they're, they phoned it in and they're out of shape and they're, they're kind of playing the track it just it just seems kind of phony and everyone's clocking it and no one's going to go back i think the metallica is kind of handshake dealing it with their fans and saying like look we appreciate the time and the money and the tickets aren't cheap and people are traveling and we're at least going to be in shape and be able to sing and play our songs i think a lot of people register that i i think the shows that you know molly's gone to all of them have been really good i mean iron maiden you know they put on a great production as well they don't have quite the same budget that Metallica does, but, but, um, you know, I think their songs are, are fantastic, um, top to bottom and, you know, the sets and I don't, I don't even, I don't want to call them gimmicks, but, you know, sort of the, the theatrical aspect of, of Iron Maiden was, um, was another one that I really was happy to share with Molly because I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen them before and, um, they were, uh, they were, you know, it was really good. Where'd you see them at? They're at the, uh, what's formerly called the Concord Pavilion. So it's a shed up there, kind of in the North Bay. Um, okay. Sorry, Molly, yeah, that shed is a term for like the amphitheaters that you go to. Like, oh, yeah, uh, I mean, I thought you were talking about like a serious like shed. No, no, much, much bigger. They fall on um, hard times. Yeah, they're playing in actual backyard sheds now. So, <laughs> so for, yeah, <laughs> the good news is it's a very intimate show. But those guys, I mean, those guys are 70. I saw them in a, sh in a shed in 2019 on the Book of Souls tour, and it was crazy. Like, the, the backdrops changed every song and Bruce Dickinson was doing costume changes and he was yeah. jumping like Michael Jordan off the drum risers and yeah. all the songs were like some of the best metal songs ever. I mean, that's, that's a great show. Yeah. Yeah. And those guys still rip too, you know, again, pushing, pushing 70 or whatever. And those guys, you know, the, the playing was fantastic, but going back to Metallica, I mean, I, again, you know, we did get Sandman on this show. And again, while well, that's a song for me that, uh, you know, I don't really need to, to hear again, um, just because it's been so overplayed as, you know, watching sporting events and things like that. It's kind of the go-to, like, let's get pumped up, you know, kind of song. But to, to see that live again, the energy was terrific. And then it, it was just kind of a statement, obviously, at the at the end of the show and, and for an experience that we were able to have. Yeah. And if I'm taking Nova, my daughter, to a Metallica show, I want them to play Sandman. I want her to see it, you know? one of the most important hard rock songs ever. Molly, what were the highlights or the highlight of the show for you? Like what sticks out for you? What's the memory, the takeaway? What did you tell your friends about at school when you went back to school? I really just told them how fun it was to just like experience that. Like with my dad, I yeah. just like had such a good time and like listening to songs that I haven't heard before live. I really think that if I heard them like on Spotify or something, it wouldn't have the same effect. If yeah. I listen to them, not live, right? 
Did it inspire you to go back and check out some of the records that these songs are on? I did put the whole set list. I really liked the whole set list. I put it on a playlist that like I listen to constantly. Sweet. And I, yeah. Yeah, you should get, I don't know if you guys are the kind of people that do it, but you know, they sell like the soundboard copies of the shows. Mm. It might be a good commemorative thing. And yeah. then you said you're going to try to get the poster at some point. Yeah, that's got to go on the wall, right? Yeah, I've collect I've collected uh, several of them over the over the years, not just from my show, but I really enjoy a lot of the artwork from. I know I've got right. I've got three in my studio right now, and uh, one of them I didn't even go to. I got one from Norway. Um, what's <laughs> the What's the poster vibe like? Like aftermarket? Are they pretty easy to hunt down? Are they pretty like reasonably priced? Or is it, it a it nightmare? Depends. You know, there's a lot of different. There are, uh, you know, those those posters, they sell out immediately at shows. And, you know, they have the show edition called SE, the show edition that you get, you know, at the venue or and then the artist can put put through their own um, version of it. You know, like uh, for the Nashville show, you know, the the gold you've seen, the one that was kind of a mustard yellow with yeah. and it was a window print with the uh, sort of the skeleton, you know, cowboy, cowboy playing guitar. Hat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is one of the most popular ones, you know, out there. Uh, so the show edition is the is the one that's kind of a mustard yellow. There's an artist's print that's uh, that's a red one, and you know they're all collector's items in the sense of you know there's a run of you know 350 of the mustard ones, and you know they're they're not printing anymore, so they become collector's items, and you have Facebook groups, and you know you buy and sell them, you know, a lot like you would with you know any other collectibles uh mine tend to go you know mine's more just for the artwork on my wall but um i i enjoy it and you know it's always interesting because it's metallica and guns and roses and pearl jam and 311 uh oddly enough are kind of the real the big ones in the poster in the concert poster game so there's a lot of people who uh who collect all of them whether it's their own show whether it's a certain artist you know, Squind obviously uh Squindo, he does a few of the posters. You know, obviously he does, you know, a lot more of um other artwork for Metallica and um you know, there's a few others out there who are pretty prominent and um they're great. I, I re really enjoy it. It's another Metallica dork aspect of my personality and, and Molly's gotten you know, Molly's gotten one one as well. Do you have a place of honor for your posters in your house somewhere? I've got one wall in in uh, in my room that uh, doesn't get any direct sunlight, right? Because we don't want to bleach we don't want to bleach them out, right? And so I have ten I have ten of them up on the wall, and there's a couple, and I have a few more that are that uh, have lost their spots on the wall, and they're they're tubed up. And you know whether you go on, you know, through these various Facebook groups and and resell them, or you hold on to them, or if, or if I end up getting more, you know, more space and end up wanting to increase the uh, a second wall. Then, uh, then they can go up there. But um, it's been it started as a pandemic endeavor, hobby, yeah. and um, coping and so, mechanism. And I'm just about out of room, so I don't, I'm not as quite as active as I was before. And what place of honor on that wall is the Rodney Atkins poster from? Uh... <laughs> Does he have posters from uh, from his shows? It was no. before my time. It was before my uh, poster times. No, Morgan's really the first artist that I've ever been with where she like makes real like r posters that I even put up in my house just because they're so cool and they're tours mm -hmm. that I did. But um, it's nice when it's something that it's more than just, you know, the tour dates, you know, right. like, a right. you know, that's sold at every single, you know, one, you know, Malls, what's do you remember the first Metallica song you heard? And I know and I'm sure it was me forcing you to listen to it. But do you remember the first one? Um. 
I think the first one was actually Enter Sandman. I think I heard it looking at Christmas lights. Like, Whoa, so- what a correlation. <laughs> yeah, it's super random. Happy but- birthday, Jesus, uh, Inner Sandman. <laughs> yeah, here's a song about nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just such a, it speaks to the power of the song. I mean, that song is just, it really changed. I think it kind of changed the world. I'm not saying it like changed the world, like the way that like, you know, Gandhi changed the world. But I think it changed the world of hard music, changed the world, changed the trajectory of metal bands, what was possible. And it's just increasingly the song, just like Molly, that brought it brought him into the fold. I mean, that's the song that brought me in, you know? And look at look at my room that I'm in now with all this crap around me. I don't know if I would have been doing this if I hadn't heard Inner Sandman. What are the are there any plans for future shows together? Any more hard rock shows coming up? We do want to go to Green Day because again, I do feel, you know, in my lifetime of going to shows, Talica is is the best show. And I think Green Day is the second best. And nice. so I, I would love to go out and experience that with my girls. And we probably we can probably talk Lucy into going to to that one. She knows she's familiar with enough songs that we can probably drag her along. Molly's saying no. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think she'll Lucy, come. Lucy's out. I mean, I'll play them in my room and she'll be like, hey, can you turn that down? It's too loud. Oh, geez. Okay. Tell her what we used to tell our parents. If it's too loud, you're too old. She'll love that. (laughs) That's exactly right. I'll Um, definitely do that next time. Yeah, but we'd love to do another roadie, you know, maybe next summer to, uh, you know, do it because I mean, it's a great, it's a great bonding experience, you know. Man, I'm insp- I'm inspired by it. Like Nova just turned nine, so she's a little young for Metallica concerts. But I am inspired by you guys that as she gets older, that that's something that I can share with her. I know Molly that it means a lot to your dad, your nerdy dad, to be able to share that stuff with you, and uh, it means a lot to me and our listeners to get your your uh, perspective and your experience. I'm encouraged by you that you you know, amongst other things, like guitar centered rock music. That gives me that makes me hopeful for the youth out there. The kids are all right, as they say. For sure. For sure. This kid's all right. Well, you guys are awesome, man. Thank you for taking the time to tell me about the show and your experience. I hope you guys will come back on. And maybe uh, if we throw another party sometime, Molly, you can come with your dad and hang out with all the Metal Up Your Podcast nerds. Go, yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, going to going to Nashville is, you know, if you want to, you know, another music experience, you know, going to Nashville, wherever she can get in, you know, under 21. And, um, you know, just to experience that, just that incredible talent that's you know on display you know going to nashville you know at 10 at 10 30 on a wednesday you know down on on broadway it's just incredible the music and stuff you can see down there yeah i mean if you're looking for 25 different versions of wagon wheel played by some of the best musicians in the world broadway's your spot but you know i don't know about broadway but you could you guys could definitely go to like the bluebird cafe and see some of the best songwriters in the world who've written some of the biggest hits ever, like singing those songs. You could go to the Ryman and catch a comedy show or like some some legacy. You could go to the Opry. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff you could do that uh, wouldn't be dependent on Molly being 21, for sure. Yeah, um, actually, um, the day after uh, the Bridgestone show, we did go and see, we did go to the Ryman and see the Grand Ole Opry when it's at, you know, during the period when it's at the Ryman. And it yeah. was spectacular. And, you know, yeah. again, I'm not familiar with those artists. It was but it was, you know, Vince Gill and Crystal Gale and oh, Joe Dippy and um, a, a bunch of others. And it was a terrific, terrific uh, night night of music. Very yeah. different. Very different than the night before, but uh, but uh, also uh, just fantastic. And it's good. It's good to get out, you know, Molly, to book in the episode. One of the things we were talking about earlier about the travel stuff 
is I think when you and I were in the, those periods, when we were Molly's age, I think we were way less likely to to go see Vince Gill or go to an Opry. And it's just nice to get out of that and like, yeah, be surprised by stuff. And I mean, dude, yeah, if you're going to the Opry at the Ryman, you don't need to know who they are. I mean, yeah, can you imagine someone's never heard of Vince Gill being like, I don't know who's this Vince Gill guy. And for you, for those who don't know out there, maybe Molly doesn't know. He's like the godfather of music in Nashville. He's one of the best guitar players ever, one of the best singers ever, one of the best songwriters. He's currently in the Eagles. Yeah, he's going to come out there and play three songs and it's going to be the best stuff you've ever heard almost. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just a lot of fun. So um, so the Metallica ex experience for me for 35 years or so, uh, the Metallica experience, you know, that I get to share with Molly is really uh, a lot of fun. And it's like, I'm, a, I'm an Ann Justice for all, you know, that's the one that's always going to be my favorite. And then for Molly, she knows 72 seasons better than better than I do. And so it's, uh, I don't know, you can just look at those band from different generations. Um, and you have a different perspective on it. But it's really a lot of fun. Yeah, dude, you're passing the torch. You've you've done God's work and you've passed the torch to your daughter. She will hopefully pass the torch when it's her time. I appreciate you both, man. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, this was so fun. Master! Master! Well, there you have it, folks. We did it. And when I say we did it, am I talking about me and Mark and Molly and Ryan? No. Am I talking about uh, my PR team? Uh, my suite of editors, my, uh, when I open this door to my studio, I look down into a warehouse of researchers, a la the Oompa Loompas, or perhaps even Veruca Salt's rich dad who hired all these people to open the candy bars to look for the golden ticket. Am I talking about all of them? No. Am I talking about my parents who on that one fateful evening, 40 years ago, laid down in a loving bed and created me a little twinkle in their eye. No. Am I talking about everyone who came before me in podcasting history, who paved the way, whose shoulders I now stand on currently in this moment? No, I'm not talking about any of these people. When I say we did it, I'm talking about me and you guys. Because otherwise, I'm shouting about Metallica into the void. And it's you guys who make it real. We did it. We did it together. We did it again. And I do love you in all seriousness. Thank you for uh, sticking with the podcast. Thank you for listening. Tell your buds about it. Leave a review. Send me an email. Show at gmail.com. I will talk about whatever you want to talk about as long as I'm interested in it. And I hope you're taking care of yourselves out there because people love and depend on you. People need you. And I need you. And I will see you on the flippity floppity. Peace. <laughs>